The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. We are so happy to have you with us, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of Trip Talk. This is a unique travel broadcast slash podcast, and we reach around the world with messages about how great it can be to get out on the open road, especially the American road, where so much adventure awaits us. And it's my special pleasure today, a privilege to be able to talk not to one, but to both co-owners and co-founders of American Road Magazine. Of course, I'm talking about Thomas Arthur Rep and Becky Rep. Their wonderful marriage is a storybook romance. They're raising a young family, and in the midst of all that, they have put together one of the glossiest and, in my view, sexiest travel magazines ever, American Road Magazine. Thomas, Becky, thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us today. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Greetings from the Motor City. Yes. Hello. And and your comment about uh, one of the sexiest magazines, travel <laughs> magazines, made me think of a nickname that Thomas was called once, and that was the Hugh Hefner of Highways. Oh, my goodness. I absolutely, you know what, you need to get that trademarked. <laughs> we'll I work on that. That's right. And then you can build the mansion, right? Well, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. America, the, We can move out of the garage. <laughs> yes, exactly. And a lot of times when you're putting together a, a periodical, you can feel like you're in a garage or hoteling as you get everything together because there's so many bases to cover. That's for sure. I wanted to say, now you said greetings from Detroit, the current issue, which will soon be the immediate past issue as the summer 2019 issue is on the way, has to do with Detroit. There are many other things besides, but centrally, and of course displayed on the front cover, Detroit in big bold letters, along with an article about Woodward Avenue, which is one of those storybook roads that becomes a nerve center for an entire region. And once you've been through it, or if, of course, if you've lived in and around the area, it becomes part of your consciousness forever. And I congratulate you, Thomas. You came up, it's, I think it's over 40 pages, this article, Woodward Avenue. It was a beautiful job, and it, it will spark a romance for anybody that wants to investigate the mysteries of Detroit. Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, Woodward Avenue is actually very near and dear to my heart. But I also think for any uh, fan of, of uh, early highway travel, a road travel period, I mean, it's kind of like the quintessential road. If you haven't driven Woodward and, and you're an old road fan, you should come up for the Woodward car cruise or come up uh, just for a stop at Dutch Grill Donuts. Uh, just, you know, enjoy what that old road is. The Woodward uh, cruise actually is coming up in August. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that event is it? Is this where people uh, get their their polished jalopies, their classic cars, and they sh they strut their stuff out there on Woodward? Yeah, it's a huge uh, multi-day festival. It and is. It, it draws thousands of fans from from around the the United millions, States. Millions, actually. Yeah, well, millions. <laughs> oh actually. my. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a really great time for anyone who's into the classic car culture. I mean, Woodward itself is something that should be toured. You're talking about the first paved mile of highway was, you know, Woodward Avenue, 1909. 
And with that, you have a car culture that had a place to go, to go to and to go through. And I am amazed at how much there is to discover there. Was that not also the first avenue where there was a, a three-way traffic signal with lights? Uh, yeah, it had the first tricolored four-directional traffic light, which was actually installed at the intersection um, with Fort Street. And that was in uh, 1920. Woodward's, it, yeah. it's, Woodward's just, it's, it's full of firsts. It was actually touted as the first like super highway, if you can believe that, after it's it's widening in, in 1929. Um, in 1917, it had the first traffic tower. One of the interesting sites on it today, I call it the man in the can. And um, what it is, is um, if you travel down Woodward at, at Ferndale, at the intersection Nine Mile and Woodward, there's this interesting tribute there. And, and what it is, is it's a recreation of an old time traffic tower. And by that, I mean, it's, it's one of these things that the policeman would actually climb up into this tower and direct traffic manually from his place like aloft there over the pavement. And they've actually um, recreated the tower and they've actually put um, a statue of the first policeman up there. So you drive down there today and you can kind of see how things looked or at least imagine in your mind. I mean, it's more built up around there now, of course, extensively, but um, they do things like that along Woodward. It, it really is uh, a road that has so much old road flavor still instilled in it. I can well imagine. And allow me the luxury of a bit of an analogy here, uh, Thomas and Becky. When I think about Woodward Avenue and what that would do to the mass consciousness of people who were driving it or anticipating a trip to Detroit. And then once you're there, I think about these monumental moments. So the paving, the building, the growth of Woodward Avenue and the experience of it reminds me in a way of the kind of eye-opening experiences that seem so extraordinary. For example, if you were lucky enough to have lived in New York and to have been a teenager and you had your money, I think it was like five bucks or so, to go and see the Beatles in August of 1965 at Shea Stadium, which itself was a new stadium at the time, you were able to go to the first rock concert at a major league stadium. And that's one analogy. Another would be the Astrodome. So there's a baseball stadium that was unique for at least one thing. It was a domed stadium, the first ever, and it was dubbed the eighth wonder of the world. I mention those things by way of saying that when you get to a place like a Woodward Avenue, or perhaps you experience Detroit for the first time in this, this era of reclamation, reimagining, renovation, a new a renaissance, really, for the Motor City. It's the kind of thing that's life-changing because of the scale and because of the uniqueness of the experience. Well, the first motor car ever driven in Detroit, in the city, actually used Woodward Avenue for its inaugural run. Oh. Yeah, that's March 3rd, 1896, and it was this fellow, this tinkerer named Charles Brady King, and he built his own car using um, this gas engine that was uh, it's a, like a marine engine uh, manufactured by the Since Gas Engine Company of Springfield, Ohio. And um, yeah, everybody thinks Henry Ford, Henry Ford. Well, you do have the old Highland Ford plant on Woodward, which is also, um, you know, quite the landmark. But everything car culture starts with Woodward Avenue.
This phrase car culture is something that I wanted to ask both of you about because you are so steeped in car culture. And for a lot of us, it sounds like a very romantic idea whether or not we have <laughs> possession of a car that would fit neatly into that culture or in any category or subcategory. But this idea of car culture is something that has swept North America in recent decades. And people will put, if, if I have it right, people will put a great deal of time and money and personal passion into having perhaps a collection of cars and then they get to know others and pretty soon you have this wide ranging rolling community. It's amazing. Yes, it, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. And that kind of goes back to, um, you know, the resurgence of Route 66 is kind of what got it all started. And you see it now in the last decade or so branching out to all this interest in these other roads um, that we feature in American Road Magazine. You absolutely do that. And Route 66, it kind of sits atop there. It, it has a, such a degree of prestige that you could call it a standalone mother road. And I do understand that chiefly from reading American Road Magazine. It's held in great veneration by people who, whenever they get the chance, like to travel this decommissioned road, after all, but they do it with a sense of joy and reverence. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone about Route 66 today, and um, anytime I talk about Route 66 of late, I'm not sure why, but I always come around to talking about uh, U.S. Highway 99, which is kind of the, the flip side of it, and, uh, you know, is a, a great road in its way, too, you know, between Blaine um, Washington and Calexico, uh, California. Um, I was talking to someone about Grapes of Wrath because everybody always thinks, oh, Grapes of Wrath, you know, the, the Jodes drove out, you know, they followed Route 66 from their place in Salisaw, Oklahoma there, all the way out, you know, to California. And um, US 99 is a good example of how the car culture kind of is fed by all of these roads and not just Route 66 because the last third of Steinbeck's book actually takes place on US 99. Yes, it does. Highway 99, which Seattleites, particularly our broadcast audience in and around Puget Sound, are well aware of the importance, the iconic importance, as well as the practicality of using Highway 99. Otherwise, if you're in Washington State, for example, and I think uniquely so because Oregonians will talk about how different it is driving around Portland and points south within their state. But if you have I-5, and you have I-405, and then there's a bridge across 90 and a floating bridge that takes you into Seattle from uh, 405. These, that's one kind of experience of the road. But if you don't mind the stoplights and some stop-and-go traffic, which in Seattle, let's face it, you're going to get any which way you look, to go on Highway 99 does give you a sense of community organic culture and how it springs up, even if you have the chain restaurants and the tire stores and the gas stations that we know today all around them. You have that essential culture town by town that really only can be explored by taking a road like Highway 99. Right. Well, 99 actually um, has its changes in personalities, too. I mean, if you take it it's south, and you go to someplace like, say, Indio, California, where they were just famous once upon a yesteryear for date shakes. You know, they had all the date the date trees oh, down there, and they yeah. were farming dates, the Valerie Jean dates. And you can still yes. find date shakes in that area. Or you go <laughs> even deeper, and you hit that lonely patch around the Salton Sea. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the Salton Sea is just this incredible, eerie, inland, salty body of water. Um, you know, it's 99 is, is not just city either. I mean, it has its different personalities, as you said, in every state through which it travels. It's marked State Route uh, 99 in many, many places, not just in the Seattle area, because, of course, its U.S. designation was removed in the 1960s. But um, that's a classic road. I mean, the Blaine Peace Arch, I mean, it used to end up there at the Blaine Peace Arch. The northern terminus of 99 was up there at the Peace Arch. Everybody, you know, in the Seattle area, I think, um, at one point or another, you know, needs to take a drive up to that Peace Arch and, you know, see how the, our, our 99 connected to, um, you know, the road going into Canada once upon a yesteryear. And then if you take it all the way through Southern California, too, you, you pass some very interesting uh, places. But all, all the old roads are great. Lots of photo opportunities. And as a matter of fact, uh, five or six times I have driven by the and through, as it were, the Peace Arch with that wonderful saying emblazoned, children of a common mother as you enter Canada. That's always kind of a thrill for me to do that. And I will tell you, Thomas, that I have gone by at least a few times in my life when I was much younger. I remember our folks driving through the desert, going past Indio, and there was that <laughs> billboard uh, for the date shakes, which were famous, and it was just absolutely in your face that you could stop for a date shake. And now you have me feeling a bit of regret because I'm sorry to say we never actually did it. I didn't know if I was really ready for a date shake, but it seemed ex- <laughs> to me as a kid, that seemed exotic. You're well, going to have to go on another road trip. Yeah, you're going to have to go on another road trip. <laughs> it just shows you how every single, you know, small town has its own, in, you know, individual personality. Um, Indio's a, a fine example. Um, some of the other places I, I've been recently, I was on US-6 out uh, traveling through Cape Cod and kind of following in the footsteps of Henry David Thoreau. Everybody knows Thoreau hung out at Walden Pond for a long time. Um, a lot of people don't realize that he wrote this dynamite travel book called Cape Cod um, because in 1849, I think it was, he took his first trip um, walking across, you know, that sandy spit that is, is Cape Cod and or wrote this early, early travel book. And it's just dynamite. So I was kind of tracing um, Thoreau across there. Now, of course, they have interesting things there. They have a, a drive-in uh, now that, of course, wasn't there in Thoreau's time. Um, but the Wellfleet Drive-In, uh, he certainly wrote about this fellow called the Wellfleet Fisherman because the area is famous for its oysters. And now they have this drive-in there. It's the only drive-in on Cape Cod. And uh, we're actually going to be featuring that. In the our, drive-in. Uh, yeah, the drive-in in our upcoming summer issue with um, 31 other drive-ins. Right. Well, thank That's- you very much, both of you, for segueing into that. Yes, Becky. Lead us off, lead us into the upcoming issue, Summer 2019 American Road. It's just going to be something special. Every issue is. How so with this new issue? What do we have to look forward to? Oh, my goodness. Well, we have um, a feature that is going to highlight 32 drive-ins across the country. Um, This drive-in issue is one of our most popular. We've done two drive-in issues before, and we continue to get requests for more drive-ins. So here is our response to that request. Everybody loves the Phil Mac hot dog. Do you remember yes. the Phil Mac hot dog? 
Yes. Um, we have good friends. So Phil, Phil Mac's still running out of the Chicago area. Oh. But yeah, every time we do a drive-in issue, we get letters about the hot dog. Because, you know, the, the intermission film, the hurry, hurry, step right up, go to our concession stand for, you know, this wonderful array of treats. And everybody remembers the, you know, the hot dog and the intermission trailer, the countdown clock that does the, the tricks with the hot dog bun. So uh, we touch upon that a little bit. Uh, we're featuring drive-ins all over the United States. Um, do, these are drive-ins that we haven't featured before. Becky mentioned that it's our third time doing it. So this makes... Uh, including think, that Wellfleet yeah, drive-in, including the Wellfleet drive-in, yep. uh, we'll we will have visited and actually recorded the personal detailed stories behind about 100 drive-ins. So we've hit about a third of the surviving drive-ins so far, and then the rest of the issue kind of plays off of that movie theme. Um, I kind of gave in to the Trekkie in me, and uh, we decided to do an article about locations where the Star Trek movies were filmed, uh, oh, which, which should be a lot of fun. I mean, they actually were down in Yosemite. A lot of people don't know that. Um, Star Trek, the first motion picture they did, they actually filmed uh, Vulcan. The stand-in for Vulcan, take a guess where the stand-in for Vulcan was, the planet Vulcan. If you were going to place it in the United States and you need a place for a backdrop to portray Vulcan, where would that be? I'll tell you what it is after you guess. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about Vulcan and rubber, the only thing I can think of is Akron, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yellowstone National Park. Oh, the, really? Well, okay. Yeah, the, the grandeur hot, of it. Yeah. Well, no, not the grandeur of it. The hot springs. Minerva Terrace. Uh, yeah, Minerva Terrace, the hot springs, because Vulcan's supposed to be smoldering and, and you know, things bubbling up out of the ground and all of these things because, you know, they take the name from the, the Roman god of fire and everything. So right. they actually filmed in Yellowstone uh, National Park, which they that had. They had to jump through a lot of hoops to do that, but there are production photos of uh, Leonard Nimoy there in Yellowstone National Park, which I think is kind of fun. I actually have walked those pathways, and it is amazing. You, I can see why they would do it, Thomas, because you feel like you are standing on alien territory. And I remarked as much to my partner, Suzanne, when we were in Yellowstone two Septembers ago, and I remember walking through that and just the great thermal expanse makes it seem like an alien planet. Well, it, it definitely is. And they, they went other places with that series that people don't realize. Uh, they, they featured Yosemite. Um, there's a whole sequence with Captain Kirk climbing up the side of Al Capitan. And um, we kind of delve into that. Uh, do you know, um, you remember the film The Wrath of Khan? There's a big, oh, yes. Yeah, there's a big explosion at the end of that, which, as it turns out, is the segment of film that has been filmed at the fastest speed of any other segment of film ever filmed. And that's, that explosion itself was staged inside this place called the Cow Palace outside of San Francisco, California. Oh, the... the old cow palace, which I think might have been torn down by now, I'm not a, but it's been closed to public use. That's a famous landmark building in San Francisco. Yes, yes, the, the old cow palace. What I remember the cow palace for, I believe the Beatles played there. I got to check that. I know for a fact that Barry Goldwater accepted the 1964 Republican presidential nomination and made his great speech there uh, in the cow palace in San Francisco. That was chosen as the spot. 
which today would be a very interesting choice for Republicans, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> right. Uh, um, the Cow Palace is still there. Oh, so the building still stands? Yes. Okay, because, you know, it's hard for me to know one from another if I don't look it up in the, in the moment, because, for example, I have fond memories of the Seattle Kingdom, and the Kingdom is dust in the wind, my friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the kingdom we haven't featured yet in American Road. But, uh, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> well, you could do a historical piece on it. Right. Yes, you could. And, you know, that's a lot of the glory of American Road Magazine, too, as well as Mock Turtle Press, your various publications, and plenty of them there are. You two folks are able to provide deep historical context for people who aren't simply looking for the kind of information that they would get if they went to a website, for example. Like you mentioned the drive-ins. If you yeah. went to those, I'm sure most, if not all, have some internet uh, presence where you could go and find out how much, what time, you know, it, continuous showings, double feature, get all of that information. But you're great about providing the historical context of a phenomenon which is vanishing today. Well, that's what we're doing with this issue, the whole movie theme, uh, kind of taking the drive-in idea and running through the whole movie. I mean, we're going to Meteor Crater, Arizona, and, and looking at um, the film Starman. Uh, we, we're going back to Devil's Tower, Wyoming. Remember Close Encounters of the Third Kind way back when? Yes, and I've been to Devil's Tower as well. Right. Hiked Devil's, it. Yes, Devil's Tower, the whole thing with the mashed potatoes and Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> so we get into that. Um, we had actually an author do an interesting article on uh, kind of ferreting out some of the locations for the original Planet of the Apes film. You know, not the remakes that they've made, you know, in the recent memory, but the original 1968 film. Right. Um, we had him go looking for that spot, you know, that iconic, that last iconic shot where the Statue of Liberty is kind of stuck out of the sand, ruined and rotting. And we had him go look for that. And he also found the place where, um, and this was a shock to me, but I always like it when they bring me something I'm not expecting, um, where Charlton Heston went skinny dipping during production. Really? Yeah. So if you're interested in where Charlton Heston went skinny dipping during production of Planet of the Apes, pick up the summer issue of American Road. <laughs> that That's worth the, the cost of it right there in a subscription for sure. I do want, before we have a few minutes left, but I wanted to, uh, because I didn't do a break in the middle of our half hour together, but uh, Becky and Thomas... Please tell people how easy it is to find you online and to actually subscribe to this wonderful magazine or to get a good look at it online if they prefer to receive it in that way. Sure, they can go to AmericanRoadMagazine.com and you can preview an issue there um, digitally. Um, you can order a subscription right through there. Uh, you can also go to uh, any pretty much any major bookstore, Barnes & Noble, um, Books A Million, Hastings, other newsstands, Carry American Road, so you can find a copy there and browse through it as well. I think that's wonderful, and if people are taking the trip along Highway 99, and especially Route 66, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there would be places along the way where they would be able to pick up a copy there as well. There should be, and I... Speaking of um, Highway 99, um, I wanted to mention that in our current issue, the Seattle Museum of Flight is 
in the spring issue. So that's the one that's on newsstands right now. So that's right in your backyard. Um, and right, but, right, but let's get back to the summer issue. And the summer issue, <laughs> don't forget. Issue, summer issue, Robot Hall of Fame. We have Randy's Donut, the big donut in Inglewood, California, that was sure. in Mars Attacks, that's, sure. that's so famous. Tweety's Cafe. We did Tweety's Cafe in North Bend. I mean, there's got to be some Twin Peaks fans listening today. No doubt. You know, yeah, no doubt. I'm a big Twins, Twin Peaks You're fan. You're talking so. to one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the man from another place gets his his nod in the, the summer issue of American Road because we did Tweety's Cafe. Um, we're doing the Dow Villa Motel out in Lone Pine, California, um, where they did uh, Tremors, remember, with the big uh, worms. And, and they actually filmed Iron Man out there, too. So, I mean, just a lot of movie-related road locations and, fun, and stuff. fun stuff for the summer issue. You know, it takes a certain amount of entrepreneurial courage, Thomas and Becky, for anybody who in this hypersonic age, the age of the Internet, the age of interstate travel being taken for granted, for people to come up with roadside attractions and to hang in there. Maybe it's something new or it could be something revived. And we featured uh, some of each on this broadcast. For people to say, come and visit us, see who we are. We have something different to offer. It takes guts to do that. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's either that or we're crazy. <laughs> There's there's a market for the unusual, and I know people, for example, just as an aside, who will not. I mean, they, it's practically an article of faith with them that they would never go to a chain restaurant when they visit. If they go to Detroit, they're going to want to go to get Detroit-style pizza someplace, either where it originated or where it's done by somebody who claims to be the best and you can't get it anywhere else. It's like well, that. You, well, you go to Dutch Girl Donuts. First right. of all, go to Dutch Girl Donuts on Woodward between six and seven mile. Um, Dutch Girl's a, a donut institution. If you come anywhere, like within a thousand miles of Detroit, you have to go get a donut at Dutch Girl Donuts. Then go down to the Vinzetta Garage, which is an old garage, like back from the 1920s that they've repurposed as a restaurant. The food is excellent. I mean, the Mac, they're known for their Mac and cheese and they've set yeah. it up. They, they've kept the, the carburetor room um, where the mechanics uh, used to fix carburetors. Um, it, they serve in there, and once a year they have what they call a wrenches reunion, and it's the neatest thing. They bring these mechanics back that worked here, you know, before it, it was a garage up until about a decade or so ago, and they'll bring these old timers back to have lunch in the wrenches, you know, the wrenches reunion room uh, where they used to work. It's it's just it's the coolest place to eat in an old garage. So if you come to Detroit, go to Vincetta Garage, go to Dutch Girl Donuts. And um, Hunter House Hamburgers. Hunter House Hamburgers, yeah, in Birmingham. Yeah, no, the, uh, you, you got me eager. Yeah, me wonderful eager sliders. <laughs> and I love my sliders. I will oh, be there, believe me. Man, I want to they, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Thomas, we're running out of time. See, this okay. is how it goes. We've got so much to talk about. That's why we love doing this show every week. And the more often we can have Thomas and Becky rep, the better for us all. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's always great to speak with you. Thank you, Thanks, too. Gary. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current and the upcoming issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.